0: This is Two Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, D in cruise control against Rovers, and United can use break to reignite their season. Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of Twa Teams One Street. I'm Tom Duffy. And the men who matter are George Cran, hello, Alan Temple, hello, and last but not least, because I'm going to come to him first, Graham Finnan, hello everyone. One week ago in this very room, you said, "Oh, for a boring two-nil one for Dundee." I take it there was people throwing their pies at you yeah, in the stand. I'm going to say oh for a lottery win this week then. Did <laughs> 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 no, you know I've <laughs> aimed about high. oh for a hundred million on the Euro
1: Millions? Yeah, well, well I've got to say it was two nothing, and it was, uh, but it was not born. It was not born, It was a terrific performance, and Gary Boyer was absolutely spot on. I think in his assessment and saying it was the best performance of the season, um, bar the first 15 minutes or so, um, Dundee were terrific. Um, and and they look like a team that has got the bit between the teeth, finally, finally, I hope it's, uh, you know, you're never sure we've done these sometimes, but going on from that, uh, the second half performance at Partick Thistle, um, taking it into the Wraith Rovers game at at a site who had been going really well and who had genuine claims of not only being, uh, you know, playoff uh, contenders, certainly title contenders, the way they were playing, and Dundee just brushed them aside. And 2-0 um, didn't really reflect the, the, the performance on the day. It could have been a lot, lot more. And um, you know, sometimes things happening that, that can change your season. And I think what happened in the in the first sort of 20-25 minutes in that game might have might have turned Dundee's season because unfortunately for the guys who went off, and you never like to see players getting injured. Joe Grayson and, and and Max Anderson, who obviously had a, a bad head, not got to go off. But we saw the introduction, certainly, of, of, of Sean Byrne. And, and, you know, what innovation ovation he got from the fans as he came on the park. And it wasn't it nothing to do with to Joe Grayson going off. I mean, you know, Joe Grayson was having, having a steady game at that point in time. But he, he rewarded the fans with a performance. Dundee fans are, are well aware of what Sean Byrne can do, Tom. And that's that's the thing. He, he brought he brought aggression to the midfield. He brought composure. And, you know, he's, Sean Byrne has got ability as well. And he made everything simple. And and from that, you saw Ben Williamson, who also, I thought, had his best yep. game for Dundee when he came on, George. And that was because he was allowed to go and do what Ben Williamson probably does best. He, he, he wasn't having to sort of keep an eye too much on the back line and, def- and his defensive goals, but he was more intent on getting forward and feeding the front line um, you know uh, with good balls and-, and getting shots away at goal and you saw that that's- the penalty came from a shot from Ben Williamson. but overall it was just a, t- a terrific terrific performance the whole team functioned well and you know that they've closed the gap obviously well obviously Air United had a big win on Friday night I've got to say so that put a wee bit of pressure on Dundee going into mm-hmm. that game they certainly couldn't afford to fall further behind but that performance, I like to a few other performances this season, you know, the, the beat of United well at Denz as well, Tom, and United at the top of the league. I think everyone's looking over their shoulders at Dundee now and I'm hoping yeah. that they can take it on, that they do play Hamilton. It's a, it's a potential banana skin for Dundee because Dundee have, have brushed aside Hamilton a wee bit of this season, home yeah. and away, so everybody's expecting to go and get three points but the only way they will be assured the three points of the play like they did on Saturday against Raith Rover, so it was, you know, the, the morale in the camp and, um, and amongst the Dundee fans, you know, they got, a, they got a great a great ovation at the end of that game, and rightly so, and hopefully we can see a few more performances like that, certainly a dense part, they need to do that at the end. but we talk about clubs, clubs you, you talk about sort of your home ground being a fortress, and, you know, it's, you sometimes wonder if that's it's a not mild... been for a long time yeah well and, you know, in a ruined so... fortress yeah but hopefully they can they can take that on but it was a, it was a good 2-0 it wasn't a born nothing when it was good, a good performance good to watch and uh, yeah more of that please Gary Boyer and Dundee
0: George Bear mentioned Sean Byrne I saw he got booked did he But by any chance get booked for a foul and deep in his own half
2: Um, I can't actually remember what I can't remember.
1: He was well the ball got played up to Zach Robinson and for once he didn't control it. And then there was there was an overload on, on Dundee's back line, and Sean Byrne sort of found himself wrong side and he just he took a booking for the team effectively. Mm. That's
0: why I, I raised the fact because I was I was speaking to a, a mate the other day who was like a few Dundee fans was delighted to see him back in the team. And neither of us were actually saw the game, mm. but we were betting that Sean Byrne took a booking for the team and that's what he, he brings game management and game sense as well doesn't
2: he? He, he was fired up as well because he gave, I don't know if you saw, he gave Scott Brown yeah. a, they shoved him over basically because the, I think Brown had caught him with a late tackle, the referee didn't see it and then Bon got him back basically after that he, he could see that he was well up for it and he, as we've seen it in his time at Dundee he's not afraid to put in a tackle and I think that's a big factor why. Dundee fans like him so much, but it, he just looked like he'd never been away, to be honest. and Which is, he's not played for three months. Speaks a lot for him, his mentality, and, and kind of having to sit there and watch for a while is pretty tough, I think, for a player that's been An experienced first choice player for a long time. The team's been struggling. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the, the big thing, I, I think, that's changed for Dundee over the past few weeks, and Obviously, the manager said about the mentality in the squad, but I think having a proper number nine now and Zach Robinson's made a big impact. He was absolutely brilliant against Wraith on, on Saturday and he was. He should Manager
0: he, called on, on. Playable. He was. I'm he, reading
2: here. He, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know how he didn't score in the, in the first half. Um, there was one bit I was really impressed with. It, it was a long ball, took it on his, his thigh, rolled his defender, spun around and smacked a shot from 20 yards. It, it, it was not championship level, I would say, striker play, but it was, it was top-class striker play, to be honest. It only brought a really good save from from McDonald to stop him. And then he somehow hit both posts after that hmm. with the one shot. Um, and then Josh Mulligan took one off his head after he'd already scored twice. So it, it was a superb performance. But more than just the goals, he brings, it brings everyone into play. He holds the ball up really well. He just looked supremely confident. He looked better than anybody else in the park, I thought, on Saturday. Um, hopefully that continues. Although, if that continues, Wimbledon may want him back in January and they can take him back if they want to. I'll we'll just tell them that the Championship's got a World Cup break, too. <laughs> well, Gary Boyer was speaking about that this week and um, <laughs> he says. Uh, in the discussions that he has with Wimbledon, they're quite they're more than happy with how Zach Robinson's getting on. So, maybe may the fact that the better he's doing, the better and the more Wimbledon are happy that he's up here. But,
0: yeah, certainly my source is down south, <laughs> certainly south of here, which is Bear holding up the back page of a paper saying that the Wimbledon are happy for him to stay
2: here. Yeah, that's, yeah, we'll wait and see if that continues in January because they're 15th in League Two so.
3: yes I am I. <laughs> I thought George was going to shoot down his own story no <laughs> no no, no, no. Yes.
2: we'll just see what happens but it's doing brilliant for Dundee and I, I fully expect him to continue that on Saturday It wouldn't be the first
0: time a manager said yeah go up there and on loan get a season of first team football under your belt that'll really bring you on and I want you back for next season challenging oh my job's under threat come
2: back now yeah has happened so fingers he's crossed that shown doesn't signs, happen. Though, hasn't he? he's, he's struggled
0: yeah. a wee bit with, with, with injury and whatnot, yeah. and also he's, he's, he's still young and inexperienced. And, this is he, his first
2: yeah. proper season at this kind of level. He's played non league level on loan previously and played a few games last season in League One where Wimbledon was struggling uh, against relegation. So, this is his first real spell of being a first choice, and he's, he's really taken to it. I think you could can, can see him growing. With every game, the game changed at Partick like when he came on, I thought. Um, obviously, scored the first goal and set up the second, which tells you that. But Dundee just have, they have a few options up there, but none of them's really taken that focal point that Dundee needs. So that run's done okay at times. He needs to do more, I think. And then Derek Ose the same. He doesn't look like an number nine to me. But Robinson certainly does. Good stuff from the dark blues. Way for a change.
0: But Alan's about to put his hand on my shoulder to stop me getting carried away. But you look at it, as Bear says, Alan, they've got to approach games properly the way they've they've approached the second half at Thistle and Wraith and, and Rovers last Saturday. But on paper, they've got Hamilton in the league, then Airdrie in the cup. Could be four wins in a row. Yeah. And that's, that's the kind of momentum we've been
3: crying out for. Absolutely, that's the key word, momentum. Uh, Listening to the guys there, it's interesting to hear how impressive Dundee looked and all these aspects of the team that are clicking into gear and it just makes me think that's clearly what was frustrating the fans so much. There is talent in that group, there is raw ability, there's a team that should be winning games in the championship but for whatever reason it just wasn't clicking, it wasn't quite happening and when you feel like there's more to come, that's yeah. what can frustrate fans more than anything. You're thinking, we have the players, we we show in spells of games that they're a good side, they're a team that can challenge for the title. It just wasn't happening on a consistent basis. But in the last two games, and we sat here last week and we said, not only in terms of the performance, but the mentality aspect of that comeback at Hill, that's that's something that could, have, could spark the rest of the season, give them a renewed belief or renewed... Uh, fire and it certainly seems to have done that, uh, you know, touch wood that as I say we sometimes feel like we're setting things up for a false dawn yeah. but at the same time um, there's no harm in, ha- in being positive after uh, the last one and a half games there's been real signs of something clicking and I totally agree with Bear on the Sean Byrne thing as well, that felt like more than a substitution, it felt like more than a win. It was something that look, you know, look online uh, after that. The fans they're all absolutely buzzing to have mm-hmm. him back. That's brought it's brought an air of positivity that would be more than just I'm saying just a, it was obviously a good win, but but just a 2 0 win over Race Rover So I think that's a I do feel like that's a, a big moment. And I'd be, um, I don't know if this is a hospital pass, but I'd be interested to see what George thinks in terms of is, is this Sean Burns' redemption, is he back in the team, or was that needs must. Yeah, uh, I th- think he could well be. I
2: understand he's doing press today this afternoon, All which right. should be the first time in a while. Um, so we'll wait and see what he says on that. What um, <laughs> we <he> didn't see, <laughs> nobody saying anything <laughs> to put no, about the team. No, yeah. no, no, no. Um, I want to leave in January. <laughs> t- in terms of Joe Grayson's injury, uh, I don't think there's any definitive kind of news on how bad that is yet. But I doubt he'll be fit for mm-hmm. Saturday. And it's a, it's a muscle injury, so you would expect that's maybe a couple of weeks. I just thought that least.
1: He, Gary Boyer spoke earlier in the week and he he talked about um, the performance, which he was he was thrilled with, obviously. And he spoke about the midfield. And he spoke about Ben Williamson, how he thought it was his best game as well, but he didn't see too much. Yeah, he didn't about Sean Byrne. and that that concerned me a little. But I'm I'm hoping that you know it's not he's not going to suddenly yank him out the team <laughs> again, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, Surely not. I mean, you don't cut oh, off your, you don't cut off your nose to spite your face. And Byrne, Byrne was, Tam, Burn was fantastic without being outstanding. He just did what Burn does. Mm-hmm. He's he's got a yeah. great drop of the shoulder. He's, he's clever on the ball. He doesn't try to play sixty yard passes. You know, he could be hard when he's got to be hard. He makes tackles at the right time. I think the defence behind him benefited from that. They looked far more assured. But we've got to mention that as well. It was a clean sheet, but it was a comfortable clean sheet. I don't think Ian Lawler had a save of note to One near yeah, the maybe, end but I think so it was that was, his arms I think that was about it. But yeah. Sean Byrne just kept it really simple. As I see he buys himself at this level, he's got a good enough ability to do a wee turn, buy himself five yards and play a simple pass for someone to move the ball mm-hmm. forward and get Dundee up the park. And so yeah, it was all it was all good. So hope I'm hoping to see him there again on Saturday. And well, the,
0: I must remember when last time United went up from the championship understandably all the headlines were about Lauren Shanklin's goals, Mm -hmm. but if if you ask me, a very close second in importance was Callum Butcher in the middle of the park. And hopefully the rest of this season we're speaking about Zach Robinson, when's he going to stop scoring? Mm -hmm. This is great. But if you've got, especially when you're a good team, if you've got one man that can stop the opposition and and keep those around him, because Dundee, you've got a lot of young players. If you've got an experienced guy in the middle of the park that keeps those around him
2: right, Worthy's weight in gold, yeah. isn't he? And the, At the start of the game, Dundee did struggle a bit. The change system, they, they went to the 3 5 that worked really well at Partick in the, in the second half. And it, You could tell at the start they were struggling to get to grips with it. There was too much spaces and, and Wraith were playing the ball around really nicely for the first 20 minutes or so. And Schomburg came on and that kind of Dundee slowly kind of grew into the game. I, th- I think that was a, a big part of that. Um, and that's Bear says, the Wraith, they had a few shots at the start from outside the area, but nothing really, I think there was one blocked in the area, but Lawler gave him six out of ten on our Saturday uh, verdict thing because he didn't really do very much. I mean, everything he did was fine, but he didn't need to do much. With the- See, which-
0: I've had this argument with you boys before. Well, if the goalkeeper saved one shot... And the opposition only had one shot. He's a ten out of ten. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> okay. Fair enough. No, no I know. You mean you uh, can't? You you feel you can't give him a huge
2: mark because, because, he's, because he's not, he's had not enough been involved. Yeah, that's not his fault. No, and it, to be fair to him, he's he's come in for the last four games. Dundee are unbeaten, unbeaten in those four games, and two clean sheets in there as well. So he's he's looked pretty steady. One thing I, I don't know. if You've noticed, better, but his kicking is really really good sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah pink. He's... Goal kicks are landing right on Zach Robinson's feet on the the, the attacking wing. Yeah. Basically, it's launching it.
1: Yeah, he has been good. I think we've been there's, there's been an issue with Harry Sharp's kicking and also Adam Leysden's. I've got to say, I don't know what it is, damn it, with goalkeepers nowadays, and they always they're trying to find the wide man on the touchline, mm-hmm. but they're kicking right onto the touchline with a ball, and and, and sometimes if you just need to be slightly off, and it's going sailing overhead and yeah. going right to a play. Well, that, when I was playing the goal, you were trying to find the man on the touchline, you were even five or six yards inside the touchline. So even the man on the touchline, even if you slide it, it'll end up on the touchline. But if you yeah. kick it straight, the man on the touchline could actually go and get a run and jump five or six yeah. yards in. But well, ha- interesting. Harry, the... Harry, and, and Adam yeah. just put it right in the touchline, and quite a lot of the time, right out, right out of the park. Well, but Waller yeah. was very good on Saturday. I, I, sp-
2: yeah. I spoke to Leicester about that a while well ago. You remember the were you at Abroad? I'm not sure, yeah. but. It was, The kicking was pretty poor that day, but he was saying that... Sad bro, two feet off the ground. Exactly. Well, that's what he was saying, that part of the tactic was to actually kick it out. They weren't... Either they wanted... (laughs) Obviously, a Dundee player to win the header, but if they didn't win the header, they were quite happy if the ball went out. They're kicking for touch. Pretty much. uh, It's
3: it's it's funny, it's slightly
0: different. I remember Tommy McLean used to say when he was United manager, they liked to kick off where you roll it back in a long diagonal down the corner. And he said... Great if somebody gets his head on it. Fine if it goes out.
2: Because you push up. Don't
0: drop yeah. short to one of these yeah. players yeah. Yeah, who. So you want, because he says because even if you're conceding a throw in, you're conceding a throw in in the final third, and that you, you're as far away. You, you're starting the game as far up the pitch mm-hmm. as you can be. And and I get that a bit. It's a, this thing think, with the goalkeepers hitting out—it's often the wing backs. Hmm, Beard yeah. bear did it a minute ago for for those watching in black <laughs> and white. The, <laughs> you you see the coaches and the managers doing the diagonal with their arms, yeah. and and the, it's a trend that I love it. But as you say, one of the problems is not not everyone's an Allison. <laughs> no. who's landing it on a sixpence yeah. when he hits a to, pass?
2: To be fair, the abroth one was playing the conditions. I, I would think rather than mm-hmm. they, they didn't want abroth winning the first header. Basically, was was the idea behind that. But I think I think Lawler's been really strong since he's come in um, the last few weeks. So don't uh, you've got three proper uh-huh. goalies, th- three number ones they can pick from? It's
0: yeah, it goes it's, back to uh, the the team have we keep saying the Huff strength and depth right across, right across the, the squad to, they've
1: shown the <coughs> depth <laughs> <laughs> saw the strength, you saw thankfully. that again on Saturday Tam, the injuries obviously early doors You know they were able to bring on Williamson they bring on Byrne and then later in the game they, they brought on Sheridan Lyle Cameron uh, Aussie, as well. or, Aussie and they've still got Luke McCowan on the bench Zach Ruddon mm-hmm. you know, wasn't there You know, Paul No, it's just it's quite My as Marshall's I said Marshall's been it's, injured that's, that is what they're
0: going to use. And if uh, we we'll go to back to not many teams in the championship, not many no. teams at any level can Absolutely. suffer three injuries and no. come through with a comfortable victory. No. Well,
2: no, just looking at the team sheet again, looking at the opposition, they didn't fill their bench again. That's, there's been quite a lot of times this season. Obviously, it's a bigger bench these days with nine players you can have on there. But Dundee are easily filling them. I think Finn Robertson was, was mm-hmm. left it's out. A, a mis- not really together, seen him yeah. So Dundee are leaving players out. Other teams can't even fill their bench. Morton didn't even have a sub-goal left a couple of weeks ago and only had four on the bench, I
1: think. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what he does in January because he he, he doesn't need players as such. His squad is big enough, but he needs targeted players. He needs yeah. he, he needs cover at left-back, obviously, because Jordan Marshall is injured, so he's playing Karen yeah. Kerr. I'm not right sure how back.
2: long he's going to be out for, Yeah,
1: to be and, and, and he probably is looking at... I don't he's, he's We know he's keen on a, a big striker up front, someone who can... A, a bullish-type striker. Whether he can get that done... Or not, but to do that, surely some have to go out on loan. You would think, or, or leave the club altogether. Mm. That's that's a fact because they do have a not just a you know a, a big squad. They've got a massive first team squad there. So yeah,
0: well, I mean, according to George's notes, they're going to have a bit of money uh, to spend in the January well, window when, th- still, yeah. win the World Cup <laughs> and they get one hundred and sixty-two thousand five hundred pounds. Well, well, ha- what's that about, ask, George?
2: Well, ask the, the man to your left. He's that's he's all over that story. He did all the counting up. Too complicated
0: for me. How do do you get rid of a player and then get money for them?
3: Because the FIFA benefits scheme covers the two years preceding the tournament so that it covers the qualification process uh, during which, in theory, you have lost players to that qualification process. Now, that obviously doesn't apply for Jason Cummings. He wasn't part of the Australia group when he was played for Dundee, but nevertheless, them's the rules. So that's why the... Compensation money, which is around about um, eight, eight and a half grand a day for each player at the tournament, is split between the clubs for whom that player is represented over the previous two years because uh, it also covers the qualification process for the World Cup.
0: And I take it you know when the cheque comes in from FIFA because it's in a brune envelope. <laughs> <laughs> boom, the,
3: boom. W- more, more worryingly, <laughs> the cheque actually goes to the Scottish FA who then distribute it to the <laughs> right. to the relevant members. Uh, so that might be even more worrying. Um, yeah, we're, well, we're we should stress in.
0: here that's, that Alan's not questioning their honesty. It's just their competence. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm, to, to the unnamed people, I know what happened and I'm so sorry. <laughs> that, was a, that was a joke. I think I think Gary Boyer's ears may have... May have Pricked up it's when he had that story. Yeah, I mean ah, it it's good one. I mean, it's uh, I mean, looking at it here, I'm refreshing my memory, but it's minimum eighty thousand pounds. I, ah, think, I eight, think it's going to be eighty grand. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You never know. But okay. you know that's advance Australia Fair <laughs> <laughs> That's a not. I mean, George knows better than me, but that doesn't seem like an inconsequential amount of money no. for Dundee. You know. Yeah, that's. I mean, I think the rubbish it sums,
2: but bear. There was a day when that would buy you Albert Kid. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. And what, what a player he turned out to be for Dundee. And he lives in but, Australia now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, no, it is, it, is, it is good money, and it makes you think that coming up to the next World Cup, maybe you should be scouring around. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the a, the a Qataris point. and stuff, yeah, yeah. just saying, well, this country's going to make it to the World Cup. We've got a couple yeah. of their players on board, because you can make a few, Bob. And, Canadians. You know,
2: yeah. It's in Canada, so de- Canada-America.
0: De- definitely, but... Uh, well, Australians are good, because Australia almost always qualify. Yeah, absolutely. Well, but Scotland didn't
1: have a bit of that you felt. I felt a wee bit of that last night when you we were watching that game against... Um, who were we playing against? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Turkey and Surrey, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <Turkey>. <laughs> well, It's that important. But, uh,
3: and to be fair, Dundee maybe do deserve a little bit of the money because... Jason Cummings' rise to the World Cup wouldn't have happened without Dundee, yeah. not not in the way that anyone would have wanted. <laughs> yeah. Simon,
0: Simon Ferry, other podcasts are available. He might he might want a cut as well. <laughs> you know, it's, it just it goes
3: to show it is it's very strange how life works out sometimes. Know, but but in a roundabout way, I suppose Dundee are sort of responsible for Jason Cummings going to the World Cup, so uh, they can they can earn yeah. the money in that regard. I and suppose. it wouldn't
2: surprise anyone, I don't think, if he went and scored a goal either. No, I've, Just
0: I've, I've seen him on the team. He, he looks fit. He looks sharp. He, he is playing.
3: It's is, always is said. he
1: the designated penalty taker? Because you could yeah, he, he took did a took a, he took a penalty yeah,
3: on yeah. his debut. That's why he's got one cap, one goal. He yeah. came on and won a penalty, and somebody else was going to take the penalty, and he basically said, "Nope, I'm, I'm having that." <laughs> and uh, I mean, I don't know if any listeners saw this, but you know, Australia, the, the Socceroos Twitter feed put out a really good video of mm-hmm. Graham Arnold phoning. Um, certain people for uh, who were getting called up. It was a great video, some really like emotional and funny reactions. And Jason Cummings was brilliant on absolutely brilliant form. Uh, sang a song down the down the phone <laughs> to Graham Arnold, and Graham Arnold actually said to him the moment I knew you were coming to the World Cup is when you grabbed that ball and took that penalty. Yeah. Nobody was mm. taking that off you, and that's what I want. I want character, I want confidence, and absolutely, it would not surprise me if Jason Cummings walks on the pitch, might be 3-0 down at that point, but yeah. whatever, he'll come on with swagger and belief, shoot yeah. from anywhere, and you just never know.
2: And, and you want your squad to be enjoying themselves as well. At, oh, at he'll do that. Stage, so you <laughs> will bring that,
3: yeah. We, we did
0: that at Dundee, just unfortunately <laughs> it was actually on the pitch. <laughs> No, I had a few decent games for Dundee. Fair lad. No, well, well done um. Well, I mean, it's never, uh, it's never too late to kick the desk like I've just done. <laughs> it's no, it's never too late. You know, to take a look at yourself and say, I've got ability. Let's do it. And if he ends up doing well at the World Cup, it would be great. But going back to Dundee, what is this, George? I'm seeing about. They'll be leaving then soon before a stadium's built.
1: George has <laughs> no answer to that one. Where have you heard that, Tom?
0: Well, I saw that. Uh, I saw that uh, the, the, the fans. the right, yeah. The fans were asking for clarification.
2: Yeah, that, that, there's a bit, just a bit of concern, I think, among the fan base. You'd better be able to tell me more, seen, seen as he's part of that fan base. But uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's looking in horror at me. But. Uh, I think, obviously, i been it's speaking already to. already Google directions
0: <laughs> from the top of the. How long does it take from the
2: top of the hill at five to three? <laughs> I've been speaking uh, to D for Life. They've kind of revamped their setup. They've got new people on the committee, people that were behind the, the open letter group, if, if you remember that from a while back. One of them contacted me this week. No names, no partner. Abusive?
0: Oh. <laughs> eh? no, I, I, possibly for the first time shows for old time's sake ah, for the first time ever there wasn't an expletive
2: <laughs> uh, but they, they're they're looking to kind of be the the voice of the fans again obviously been a big part of Dundee's history and looking to kind of rebuild that um but the, the, they're trying to voice the, that concern that fans have that once done the back then to Spark the plan to sell is then to sell it, and then that will fund some. That money will go towards the, the stadium and all that. But in the meantime, while the, the new stadium stadium is being built, they plan to go on ground share. John Elms has said in the past that um,
0: which is it's understandable. Yeah. but you should really keep the fan. I mean, you want the fans to go
2: exactly. You to yeah, yeah that's informed, don't yeah. It? It's uh, John Elms has said in the past that. Um, he's made a promise that that they won't be without a home, basically they won't move to another ground until the the new stadium has begun, the the construction has begun. So they're just looking for a bit of, um, to basically reiterate that and kind of soothe any any fears. And and they want a a fan consultation, or John Nelms basically to come and speak to fans and and basically put forward what impact... This, the new stadium is going to have on the club, and what the, the positives are going to be. That they're not against the stadium move or anything like that, and I don't think there's too many. There, there are some fans that want to stay at Denzel, I know, but I think there's quite a few that see the benefits of, of moving to a new stadium. But I think people just want to hear from John Elms, I think, and a bit more. He's not, he's, in his time at Dundee, he's never been the, the best at details. I don't think even when yeah. he was speaking. So Said,
0: I, I, I always say that. I mean, I, I've got a, I've got my own history with Mr. <coughs> Nelms. but uh, American owners tend not to communicate, and, and it's a it's a, almost a cultural thing, isn't it? And in, in their sport, the owners are all powerful, hmm. and I mean, you see NFL teams and whatnot, or move city, and it's just accepted. I mean, the fans are upset. Of course, they are. But generally, it's accepted that that's that that's the right of the owner. Yeah. The owners are all powerful, and a lot of ways I understand that. But I mean, for me, when John L speaks, he actually usually speaks
2: reasonably well. You try and stop him sometimes yeah. when you get an interview with him. Um, my my understanding is that, that there may be uh, movements happening soon on stadium front, and he will talk after that happens. So wait and see over the next few weeks, I think.
0: I have to admit, I mean, I was never one to have sympathy with fans coming to travel, because I had to travel a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it was just my job. But um, one thing that crossed my mind coming in here today, ground sharing, if you get a, a period of weather like this, destroys mm-hmm. pitches. Well, mm. just looking for... That, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. going to say that last
1: it doesn't come to that time, ground sharing. I think what fans are wanting... Reassurance. I mean, John Nerns has yeah. already said, you know, I think he's given the assurance, but they're wanting more assurance than as Tom pointed You know, what I mean, I can understand where fans are coming from, I would be anxious if Dundee had sold Dense Park and there is not a shovel in the ground to, yeah. to coat John Names or a Camperdown Park I would start being really anxious I don't want the ground share for any length of time I think if they are going to do that it has to be made crystal clear what are the dates we're going to be sharing here for six months maximum and then we'll be moving to new ground but in terms of the owners speaking you only have to look at Manchester United the Glacier you only have to look at Liverpool as a Fenway you know
2: yeah, I think they only spoke when the Super League They keep, the them, yeah, League thing, they yeah. keep themselves so, very, much to, the,
1: very much to themselves and that's at the top end of the market, you know. So, I think you've got to, you I, I, you know, you've got to trust your owners and again, I go back, I keep harking back to this, the, the, the periods where Dundee in their, in their dark past, and it's not too distant past, two periods of administration. Where wages weren't paid, where people lost their jobs. Hmm. I think we've had a real period of stability, if you can call it that, the seven or eight years. The Americans have been here in terms of that. Obviously we'd like them to be more vocal. But at this point in time the club seem to be going in the right direction. I think a new stadium. Going forward for Dundee is absolutely the, the way to move into the twenty-first century. I think. I think as much as fans love Dens and would love to stay there, it's impossible to rebuild yeah. the, 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 where we're at. Yeah. A, a purpose-built stadium for the twenty-first century would be the making of Dundee going mm-hmm. forward, and, and so they've got plans in place for that. Let, let's 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 trust in the owners that they do the right thing.
2: Yeah, I think there's just maybe still some scars from it, from yeah. those experiences that yeah. they just need a bit. And res- I think it's fair as Bear's alluded to.
0: Whatever criticisms criticisms we have, I've had at uh, this regime, you can never forget they've the brought the longest period of stability for the people that work at that football club. In decades, mm-hmm. and uh, that you, you need to tip your hat to them for that, because I mean I remember long periods of time where players, staff, everybody they didn't know they didn't know from month to month if they were getting their wages on time, and uh, that's that's not the case. So fair dues to them. But enough brightness. <laughs> it's time to move on. As I said, moving on. What are you doing
3: here, Alan? You know, on your holidays. I wish, yeah. It's um, No, I'm still here, still reflecting on an uh, eventful first half of the season, we could probably call yeah. it. It's, um, yeah, This certainly in terms of the playing squad, it's been uh, a, a period that the players aren't, are allowed to take a breath. They're getting a few days off and then they'll be back in for three weeks of what is kind of basically been described as a second pre-season. I don't think it's particularly unique that the players are getting some time off. Most clubs are. And then, yeah, it's about getting back in and basically starting again and more than perhaps any other club in Scotland, Mm -hmm. really starting again because Mm -hmm. it is the first time, and we've discussed this before, um, I don't care that Liam Fox has been there for, whatever it may be, 18 months when you're not the manager yeah, it is not you it is not your ideas you are uh, you're a subordinate you're coaching the methods and ideas of another person um, so this will be the first period where he's properly had more than a week to actually work on things on the training ground and there is a a, a desire to do that there's an excitement about that and it needs to it needs to bear fruit because um, the situation is precarious. Um being three points adrift at the bottom of the league after the first half of the season is totally unacceptable. Um, yeah, we're
0: reaching that stage where it's it's more than a blip, isn't it?
3: Yeah, of course. But at the same time, um I want to see what Liam Fox's Dundee United team looks like, not what Liam Fox's um kind of improvised attempt to fix. Jack Ross has done the United, looks like. I think that will hopefully be quite a big difference, and I think there's been enough signs of progress to suggest that um, it's far, far, far from a foregone conclusion. The last three games, which will sound silly because they've lost two of them, but the last three games have caused me to, probably to feel as positive about this team as, um, as I have for a while. It's not making... Stupid mistakes. It's not surrendering goals. It's not giving up a whole lot of chances. And although they didn't find the net up at Petardry, I feel like there's a goal in them generally yeah. from open play, which is all gradual progress. It's kind of these are the basics of what you want from a football team. But it wasn't happening early on the season. So they lost to Celtic with their four minutes away from getting a draw at Celtic Park. Hammered Kilmarnock and then that came up at Petardry. A draw for me on the yeah. balance of play. There was nothing in it until. Glenn Middleton gives away possession. Sybil and Graham don't make the opportunity to make a tactical foul. Keeper brings down the player. It's a penalty. That's the, the silly things avoidable, um, but increasingly, thankfully, you know, more of a rarity than they were earlier in the season. But yeah. nevertheless, that's I, I wasn't watching that game, and I've watched every ball that the United have kicked this season. So, and I've said when they've been poor, but I was watching that game, and I didn't see Aberdeen scoring. They were having the majority of the play, but. If you were, to, if you were to tell me that Dundee United are going to score the first goal in this game, or Aberdeen are going to score the first goal in this game, or there's not going to be a goal in this <laughs> game, I would have been equally unsurprised by any of those outcomes. So, I'm not. I think a lot of the anger and a lot of the gnashing of teeth in the aftermath of that game at Petardry is because. Dundee United are going into a five-week break at the bottom bottom of the league. It's a summation of the anger of what has been an unacceptable start to the season. I don't think it's about that defeat at Aberdeen. It certainly shouldn't be about that defeat at Aberdeen because they they were fine. They did loads better than the majority of teams have done at Aberdeen Mm -hmm. this season. But what needs to happen is these signs of progress become results after the break because there are, I think, 66 points to play for and they need a chunk of those. But... Three points off the, you know, three points from safety, but nine points from fifth place. Hearts. This is a, <laughs> this is a ridiculous league this season. So, um, it will be, um, it will be interesting to to see how it all pans out. The thing that I, f- I found interesting, I tweeted something before the game at Petardry, which was basically if Dundee United had won, there would have been eight points separating fourth place from bottom of this league. It's crazy, isn't it? So. As I say it's these are all hypothetical positives at the moment and me, are meaningless until Dundee United start putting points on the board, but nonetheless, there is still a long way to go and there have been signs of progress. It's about following through on those now,
0: yeah. And bear, it's 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 maybe I'm maybe talking in crumbs of comfort here, but has Liam Fox done the first part of his job in that he steadied the ship? Okay, you'd love to see them off the bottom, but equally, the way they were going, they might have been isolated down at the bottom and they're not
1: no absolutely and we have seen that from Liam Fox you know we have seen you know over the period there has definitely been improvement unfortunately you're starting from a, a very low base yeah. um, and as, as as I found out you know improvement can, can quickly be sort of eroded by one bad result and you find yourself back where you are and we, we desperately hoped that going into this break United would get themselves off the foot of the table but now that's not materialised because Kilmarnock have gone and got a win and one thing it shows is that every team in that league is going to pick up points. There isn't 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 one team that really looks like it's going to go in a bad run. Now, Dundee United, from their starting point, where they are, they're going to have to pick up more points. Yeah. It's, you know, that's, that's that goes without saying. And what we're going to see, Tom, is we're going to see, you know, a sprint right at the start. When everybody returns, Dundee United, they're going to have to come flying out the traps. I think there's five games over the space of three weeks, and it's vitally important. That they pick up points, and I think unfortunately for Dundee United, right, Alan's right. You know what? I saw, I saw the highlights of, of the game at Petroleum. and it looked like there was very, very little in the game. And Alan's, Alan's already already stated that um, because Aberdeen have been running over the top of teams at Petroleum. I think Jim Goodwin said in his quote, he was he was actually relieved to get to get the three points and in the manner they did, because in most of the games there've been two, three, four yeah. goals up, but the way's the way his team managed to get in front and actually. You know they held on, you know resolutely to get that three points, and that, and that, that that's probably given him more encouragement. Than they've been able to do that because that shows another side to your team, but unfortunately it has left Dungeons United, you know, where they are. And uh, yeah, I mean I'm looking at it, and, 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 and I know Alan's saying there's there's eight points separating, you know, maybe maybe six or seven teams there. But I look at the goal differences, goals against Colm Tam, I always like to look at that. And if you look at the three teams at the bottom, they are in double digits, goals against. And that's something that has to be improved on if you're going to climb mm-hmm. off the foot of the table. Now, I think United have shown signs of doing that. It's kind of can continue to do that and, and give themselves a platform to go and take points in games and go and win games, you know, and, and get themselves away from the foot of the table. Because history will tell you, you know, any team can, can climb away, and we have seen it in the past on certain occasions. Okay, Ross County managed to do it last season, but history also tells you that if you look at the sort of four or five teams that are at the bottom, I bet you towards the end of the season there will be four of them still in there battling yeah. away trying to avoid that drop. And United need to make sure they come out, you know, certainly above the three of the teams that you know that are in that four.
3: In terms of ceasing to concede goals. And I'll try to approach this as balanced as possible because I hate lazy scapegoating. But Mark Berrigati needs to come back from this break and really stake his claim, really grab that number one jersey because it will be problematic if they keep conceding goals that while there's not been total rickets in the last few games... There's still been moments that you think, oh, I mean, well, let's put it this way. There's been moments where you think Benjamin Segris doesn't make that mistake. You know, that he mm, saves yeah. that shot. Or, you know, he's, he it isn't saving points that Benjamin Segris saved for Dundee United. Yeah. And that is, has become apparent. Now, I, I just, I refuse to believe a man that's got Mark Beregeti's career behind him is a bad goalkeeper, but for whatever reason, it's not quite clicked for him yet. I think there have been... Again, slight signs of life in, in recent games. He's very loud, very communicative. I think the defenders in front of him look more comfortable when he's between the sticks than than uh, than when Carl johan Eriksson is. I mean, we've discussed this earlier in the season with the context of, of Dundee, when maybe Harry Sharp was on goals, doing nothing wrong, but you maybe thought, do they need a louder, do they need a, mm. a more experienced goalkeeper? I think Mark Birgitti brings that. And likewise, giving away that penalty against Aberdeen there are so many mistakes that happen before that ball gets to Mark Birigeti. I think it's really lazy mm-hmm. to just blame him for that. However, he does, I, th- I thought he hesitated slightly. I thought he could be more proactive coming from his line because that's something he is good at. He's fast off his mm-hmm. lines. So. Interesting. I was, I was speaking to Lee Wilkie for his column in the Tilly this mm-hmm. week
2: and he felt that Birigeti coming out in that situation would have been a good decision had the Aberdeen man taken a better touch. He thought that a, the oh, poor touch, the poor touch, made Berrettini's decision a poor one that ended up mm-hmm. in a foul. Obviously, but he felt that had he not taken himself
3: wide, that Berrettini would have been right out and and mm-hmm. taking the ball off him. So I interesting, mean that, different aspect. No, that is, I mean, that is really interesting, and it's one of the reasons why I've been reluctant to, you know, <laughs> nail Berrettini to the wall for conceding that penalty mm-hmm. because not only do you not know the you know, the the machinations of how goalkeepers are coached in that situation at that level. But also it's a split second decision that he's been forced into by mistakes of others higher up the pitch and it's always the last line of defence that gets it and uh, yeah, I mean, Bear was obviously an, actually a good goalkeeper. So I was honest, I was a poor uh, goalkeeper, but there's a lot of sympathy for goalkeepers in this room and I certainly have some in that regard. But Berry must improve. Like That's the, mm. the overarching. Yeah. Over the context of the whole first half of the season, I think the defence has, has improved quite a bit. Ross Graham I thought was really good again coming in, aside from maybe not taking a tactical foul when Aberdeen broke to win the penalty. It's about that last line of defence as well. Then you could maybe get... Mm. Otherwise you then, if Liam Fox looks at how he's training and thinks, do you know what, I'm still not convinced he's properly staked his claim for the number one spot, then you maybe have difficult conversations about moving things about budget-wise and getting someone else in.
0: Does United's goalkeeping situation this season not show how difficult it is when it comes to recruitment? And I mean, this involved more than one manager, but the club in general, because you would have said, well, Seagrass is such a big figure at Tanneris. Don't don't go work kid. Mm-hmm. Get experience to replace him. They've, t- they've yeah, signed two experienced yeah. goalkeepers, and so yeah. far it's not really worked.
1: Yeah, uh, unfortunately, they've both had an error strewn start of their careers at Time. Mm-hmm. And As a goalkeeper, you just you just kind of get away, away from that. You know, when I remember when I was signing at a new club and. The the one thing I, I would say to myself, try and get through the first six games. Trying, you're you're hoping, you're hoping in those first six games. If you've got to do something, you've got to do it. And yeah, you know, if you have a great game, and there's lots to do, but ideally you get a game like Ian Lawler had at Denz on Saturday against <laughs> the throw. You have very little to do, and you get a foothold in the team, and everybody gets a bit understanding. But but again, and Ericsson, you know that if you look back right from the start of the season Alan that there are errors yeah. in every yeah. sort of game and, and you're looking at the one on, on Saturday it's, it's an error in judgement and I'll, I mean I've, I've I've done the same myself and he obviously felt he could get to that ball but more often than not outfield players are quicker than goalkeepers <laughs> and you think you've I'm going to get there before somebody and, and they'll just get a toe in and especially now with, with the VAR situation if you don't get to the ball first it's a penalty kick and yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I thought when uh, uh, Liam Fox brought Birgitte back, it was a strange decision. I thought Ericsson was starting to show signs of, you know, there weren't one in every game, but he was starting to show signs of, you know, a bit of composure and, uh, you know, a, a wee bit of sort of a, a run of confidence, a run of games where he was building up a bit of confidence and then he, he's dropped him and now he's brought Birgitte back and it's hard to see where the manager goes on this one Yeah. Down. I mean, he's obviously, I mean, obviously he'll have to make the call when when, when they start up again, but I'm pretty sure it'll be Birigiti that'll get the nod for, yeah. for when they come back. And he's, he's just got to hope. That's, they're both experienced keepers. That's the one thing I will say. With a younger keeper, it can be more difficult getting out, you know, if you're on, if you're on a, a, a run of games with the army, it can be more difficult getting that out of the system. But an experienced keeper should be able to get himself through that. And I don't think either of the two of them lack confidence. Mm -hmm. you know so but they need they need to cut out because while they have improved at the back if the goalkeeper is making mistakes it undermines everything you're trying to do and it'll cost them cost them points in the long run
0: well let's play you're the manager and when it comes to (laughs) to Dundee United there's only one person qualified in this room Alan you're the manager who do you go with
3: for the moment it's Mark Baragati um that was too
0: easy, yeah. I, I was hoping he was going to go. Whoa.
3: He's very he's, having <laughs> having spoken to don't know having spoken to both men a, a, a few times. Mark Bergey is certainly in speaking to us is incredibly self assured, incredibly self assured. Um,
1: is that an Australian thing, Alan? Maybe. Yeah, I, yeah. Do you know
3: what it, it might be? It might be, but he's he has a healthy swagger and a healthy belief in himself, and that gets pilloried to an extent when you know, he speaks to the press post-match and he seems quite up for doing post-match. So he's, you know, he's done it a couple of times in the last month or so. And punters give up, you know, what are you talking about? You're the one that's made mistakes. You know, all that sort of stuff. You know, the usual stuff that you read. And... He just comes out point and shoulders it. A, yeah, but yeah that, that's he's, the starting point when yeah. you've made a mistake. Isn't yeah, it? That you d- want is to come out and say I did. But mm-hmm. he doesn't. He doesn't seem. You know, he doesn't seem phased by that criticism. He's. He's. You know, he's happy to come out and and speak about things and so he is very self-assured and i think that is important when you're going to be facing up the second half of the season with the team bottom of the league i think you need a goalkeeper that's going to come out and say yeah this is the situation i'm i'm okay with it um but the performances need to match that bravado increasingly um and in terms of the wider picture it's a more difficult one to answer without watching mark berrigati in training Mm. every single day Uh if if Liam Fox and Craig Hinchcliffe are looking at him and thinking, I'm, I'm still not sure, it's it's not the progress that I had hoped for from the goalkeeper, I think you need to bite the bullet and make a change in January. Um, I've got an idea. Could uh, ask...
2: Celtic and Benjamin Segrist if he mm-hmm. fancies some games in the second half of the well,
1: season. That's good, George. That's a go on thing. Every time I watch highlights of yeah. Celtic and, no you, and you yeah. see Ange Postacogli on the touchline, you see Benjamin Segrist sitting back him. <laughs> yes.
3: Or even further down the uh, pecking order, someone you guys will know well, but Scott Bain. Yeah. But is Celtics f- is he third, fourth choice goalkeeper now? Possibly. Yeah. Or if you want to go down to fourth choice, Connor Hazard, who is someone that. Um, I've also known at yeah, then back yeah, from yeah. well, I liked at yeah, you Yes, he was back from Finland. So there are names out there. However, the finances would need to work. Um, uh, Mark Hogden can't just keep signing yeah. checks. They've, I was
0: going to say, since you boys have d- decided to go through the Celtic list of goalkeepers,
3: <laughs> I was going to raise the fact that
0: the money that United are getting out of the World Cup, but you've spent it all. Well, <laughs> that's, a, that's
3: the problem. Is these guys are on wages, aren't they? Yeah, yeah the and. In hindsight, a fair bunch of the recruitment's been criticised and, and rightly so, you're losing matches, recruitment will be criticised but, you know, think back, uh, if you're out there listening to what the reaction was when these people signed pretty much universally, pretty much all of Dundee mm. United signings were all, he's a full international, He's a full ant- good. he's got pedigree, he's got pedigree and that doesn't come massively cheap so the budget is what the budget was and... I think it's fair to say that there'll need to be some juggling if there's going to be further business in January. I think that juggling might happen. It tends to um, at most clubs in January. So In United situation as well, I think. I think they'll be
2: aye, making moves to yeah. I think there, have to get players out or whatever.
3: Um, so I, I think there'll be a wee bit of wheeling and dealing. But in terms of, hypothetically, if you were to say no one was to leave then I don't think many people will be coming in. Mm. But I, I would be surprised if that proves to be the case. I mean, most clubs can't help themselves for a bit of wheeling and dealing. And I think maybe a couple of fresh faces to bolster the the, the the balance of the squad more than the quality, I would say. Um And keep, also just to keep everyone on their toes. Keep, and, and keep, keep the manager
2: happy as well. Because obviously he came in during the season, so he's never signed anybody. Yeah. So, it's, so
0: I've I never th- met a manager who was happy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I, I think... It's, Managers like to have their own players and players mm-hmm. they've kind of, I, I know it's not the way United generally do things but it's still he's the manager and if a player comes in it basically yeah. looks like he's signed him and, and he'll I imagine have a big say in it. So would signing a would
0: goalkeeper not be a big a, a big call well, simply because if. if if they sign another experienced goalkeeper... They're going to sign, probably going to have to sign another one next summer because the two that yeah. are there already will well, want it.
1: I mean, I can only, I can only see a goalkeeper coming in if one of them decides to, to Exactly. Leave. Yeah, no exactly. Way. I mean, and I'd, they're
0: both early enough in their career to recover. And and that candidates. would be,
1: I mean, that would be a really difficult one for for Fox because you could bring another goalkeeper in and still find he's in the same same situation. And,
0: Aye, that's when you don't play. You're the manager. You leave it to the <laughs> real manager, don't you? Where do you go
1: with I can only a goalkeeper can only come in, and it might be the case that he, he might you might try to do that. You never know. I mean, the I mean, both these guys are one's Australian, you know, one Swedish. There, there may be other offers out there. They may find that you know something comes up and they, they they will they will go and they might manage to do something on that one. But surely they can only sign a goalkeeper if some if one of the goalkeepers decides to go. If not they'll have to go with the hand they've got. And I don't think they're bad goalkeepers. They're too experienced no. goalkeepers. No. They just need to get, you know, and they need to cut out the errors that, that has been sort of littered, littered their careers through, this, through the start of this campaign, or United are in big trouble.
3: With Mark Berigiti. I genuinely believe there's a goalkeeper in there. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. really do. I, I just, and, and bears has got a better handle on this sort of stuff than me, but... And people be shouting at their devices at this, but see if you take away everything other than the pure shot stopping he does a lot of things yeah. really well as a goalkeeper he's quick off his line his distribution is good he's a really good talker players look comfortable around him but he, he keeps uh, not having strong enough wrists for, yeah. for shots he's, mm. he's, he doesn't seem as good a shot stopper as Carl Johan Eriksen is but he surely not got to this stage as a goalkeeper without being a good shot. A time, exactly. Exactly. It's that funny
0: thing when you speak to managers about goalkeepers who make great saves. Mm-hmm. They'll often say, hey, but "Tell me a goalkeeper who isn't a good mm-hmm. shot stopper." Mm-hmm. To be a professional goalkeeper, mm-hmm. that's the that's the first thing. And exactly. They tend to look at kicking now in the modern Absolutely. game, but you know, are they good at crosses? Do they command the area? And do they speak to the defence? So I mean,
3: again, it's uh, so with that perfectly you know serviceable logic there you know it's you would assume that that will come back it's clearly yeah. something that most goalkeepers have got in their locker and they, yeah. he just needs to whether it's a confidence thing whether it's you know whatever it may be just needs to get back to doing the basic shot stopping yeah. well get a, f- a firm hand on things get things parried away because he's doing a lot of the other stuff right yeah. and look back at the Kilmarnock game um, for example Jamie McGrath's goal it comes from a goal kick uh, birigated to Fletcher, and we were discussing kicking earlier. Mm. Pinpoint absolutely mm-hmm. bang on Fletcher's forehead. So he, he does a lot of the other things, right, that people like in modern goalkeepers. I would just like to see him do the get to yeah. the basics, you know. Yeah. Get well, to the basics. I mean,
1: we, I mean going, going back to Dundee, Dundee had a guy, obviously Jack Hamilton, at, at Denz, George, and you know, there was a goalkeeper in there, a terrific shot stopper, but you know, every five Mistake- or six games he, yeah. would, he would make a blunder and you just it, it just went on and right from the very start it was, it was uh, Neil McCann who, mm. who brought Jack yeah, Hartman Martin. in and, and you know right from the very start the game at St. Murdon the first game of the season makes an error in judgment he tries instead of just knocking the ball out he gets played a, a hard back pass from Cammy Kerr who got to see on his left foot Instead of trying to just, well, I'm just going to kick this out of the suit apart and shout at Cam, He didn't do that to me. When the boys could me, he tried to drag back and done. He lost the goal from that. Mm. But this went on and on and on and it never ever. He never ever got rid of that. And you know, until Dundee got rid of him, unfortunately, that was that was the bottom line. He, he could not spring a level of consistency that is required. You know, to play in the goal. So yeah, hopefully United can can get it sorted. But I, I agree with Alan. I think there is. I think that the both of them are, are are decent enough goalkeepers, but you won't want one to really step forward, and hopefully Birgitti, this break, you will get his head screwed on, right? you will get the confidence. But what he needs is, you know, when they come out of the traps in, in December, uh, those five games are coming at a good, strong start, and if you take the confidence from that, you know, you can't underestimate how much that could be for him and for Dungeon United going forward. And
0: I, I mean, you were a goalkeeper for hmm. a very long time at a good level. Is it one of these things? Is it like a striker, one goal, all the confidence comes back. One great save and he might be back to... No, I, I
1: think when, you, when you're... I, I, you know, I'm holding my hands up and say I wasn't brilliant all the time and all the years I played in the goal. You do have periods um where you form dips a bit and obviously, we've spoken about this before as well, Tom, when I played, you never had sub-goalkeepers so the manager was basically forced to stick way a bit. Fortunately enough, I was able to play through them but you basically want to get through games and as I say, as. When I had a bad game, I didn't want the next game to be, I hope I make loads of saves. I hope I make loads of, you know, take loads of crosses mm. out there. I wanted mm-hmm. a nice, easy game, a simple game. Okay, do bits and bits and balls, but if I could get through the game without having to do too much, I was quite happy. Take that in the next game and the next game. And suddenly your, your confidence, it, it comes back. It comes back, just like everything else. Um, and there will be games where, where you know, you, where you're just, you're, you're fantastic because there's the other side of the coin where you're absolutely rubbishing. but what, what we say for a goalkeeper is I've seen myself you know when you can have a really 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 poor game and still get away with it Tom. but then you can also have a very yeah. very good game and then in the last 10 minutes you know you, you, you drop a ball at forward's feet and he's on it mm-hmm. like you know lightning and it's in the back of the net and everybody's looking going you know what's going on so you need a wee bit of luck as well but there's it's the whole package it's You've got to trust the boys that are directly in front of you. The the two centre-halves are vital, or uh, uh, three centre-halves. Whoever's in front of you are are vitally important to you. They've got to know when you're coming. You've got to know when they're going. It's good communication. And the full-backs as well. And everybody covers... You talk about football at the back. Everybody covers for an area playing with a sweeper. Defenders have to be like that as well. They have to think that if a forward has a shot at the goal... This might come off the goalkeeper. Let's get in first. Strikers think all the time this is going to mm. come off the Defenders have got to think like that as well and cover your goalkeeper so that if a ball does come off, and you get in first and, and, you, and you clear it away. So, yeah, it's it's uh, hopefully they can get it sorted.
0: Great stuff. Now, after this, the good news is no one's got the cold, but we're going to be talking Qatar. Right, lads. It's the, the most exciting time in football. It's the World Cup. Is anyone excited? Nah, it's felt really low key,
3: isn't
2: it? Uh, that, uh, there's a wall ch- the World Cup of shame. And there's a, yeah. There's obviously reasons not to be excited, but there's a wall chart in the Tilly today and that's kind of started my week. Well,
0: you know what, George, for the first time in my 50 years, I haven't got a wall chart or a sticker book
3: for the World Cup. How well, can we not be excited with such a mouthwatering opening exactly. fixture? I mean, that's <laughs> the that's the the key one. Just uh <laughs> nobody grab a plays tilly any, next right? to Nobody.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it now. I've been, I watched the Ronaldo uh, documentary last night, which was excellent. I'd recommend anyone to watch that. the Original, oh, the original Ronaldo mean, the in the BBC.
0: Oh, I thought you meant the the Piers Morgan <laughs> no, not the proper. We're Ronaldo. going to
2: talk about that. Um, I fancy Astro- uh, Portugal to struggle. to <laughs> <You were> struggle. <saying laughs> I did say Australia. Australia. <laughs> do a twist. Man United get. fan uh, reveals.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bring back the convict ships for Ronaldo. The Send him Australia.
2: I, I get the feeling that Portugal may struggle, despite the ridiculous talent in that squad. I think having to put up with Ronaldo standing up front and demanding goals, although he'll probably
3: score about three goals. But I'm just relieved that there is such a, a decent SPFL contingent over there in general, because I think it does add a little bit something. Some Maybe Scots I, <laughs> for ex- once. Exactly. I mean, there's. I think. I think there are like. four... Four Scots. I'm doing that off the top of my head. I saw I saw something the, the other day, but I think there's there's Harry's over Harry Shooter's over oh, there. Course, yeah. Um You've got Jason Cummings, Martin Boyle. Although Martin there's Boyle. a doubt over him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think there might be one other. But it's you know it's it adds a little bit something, and maybe there's a, a level of bias for for me because obviously I, I cover the the Dundee United players not on a regular basis, but. I think there's a good chance that both Dundee United players will get minutes at some point for, for Wales and, uh, and Australia, respectively. I mean, Aziz Bech will probably play every minute. He's the first choice left-back, been capped 52... He played at the last World Cup, didn't he? He played yeah. at last World Cup. So, I mean, that's that'll be good. That'll be exciting. I mean, it's we can overlook just what a massive thing this is. You need to go back to I think it's 2006 for Dundee United, for the last player that actually got minutes at a World Cup, which was Colin Samuel. For Trinidad uh, for for and Tobago, um, Dushan Pernish did go in in 2010, but but didn't play. I think I, weirdly, I was I was going to, I was going through squads looking for Dundee and Dundee United. Did players. Colin
0: Samuel play? I haven't seen him. The fact he was on the pitch, that's no guarantee. <laughs> Kelvin
3: Kel- 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 Jack went to uh, that, right, that World didn't. Cup when he was uh, with Dundee as well. So it's and you know was picked for a game, so, but didn't play. Yeah. Is that right? Banged his head
0: on the tunnel. Huh
2: well, at the start of the game or the warm-up,
3: that is some tremendous work. Pulled out. We, we should cut this out so that George can do a piece on that. That sounds <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> wow, well, that's a that's a that's, that's a hell of true, a tale. Isn't it, Bear? Hmm. I mean, he
0: was pretty. I, I, so. I, 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 I might have been against England. I might be wrong, but he was he was uh, he was the <laughs> goalie for the first game and didn't actually make the first minute. I was because
1: uh, it was a shaky. Hislop, uh, yeah. play, didn't you? <laughs> as he was better, Nora. Kelvin. Kelvin was known as Kelvin Flap. Yes, and the other keeper was, was was Clayton Inch who was known as Clayton Munch so, <laughs> That was the three the three goalkeepers. You think you've got problems? You think you've got problems with you think goalkeepers? I thought that was a, I thought that was a World Cup uh,
0: chat that Baird was reading just now, but it's actually like his resignation from the goalkeepers' union. <laughs> See, a, I've never heard you slaughter a goalkeeper uh, before. <laughs> you want for a hat trick?
2: <laughs> There's a couple of. Goalie connections as well. Uh, Ishi Ka- Kawashima's in the Japan squad, mm-hmm. still playing in France.
3: I think Which it's is more line. than he did for Dundee. Yeah.
2: again. Can we, we just go back? Sorry, just really Seni Dieng right. Just before Seni Dang, ex Dundee players in the Senegal yeah. so Just on the
1: on the on the uh, Kelvin Jack. When they qualified, they did they not qualify in Iran or something? It was something like that. And Iran came, or Iran? Ar- I think it was they Iran. They came back and he had a game on the Saturday for Dundee. And he didn't go off the plane in Europe. He, he stayed mm-hmm. on because it was they were partying.
0: The plane Partis- landed in Spain, yeah, to the right. European, uh, <laughs> to let the European players off. And Kelvin, who liked a tale, claimed <laughs> that the president of the uh, <laughs> prime minister of I think it was a prime minister I think they're in the Commonwealth, the prime minister of Trinidad and Tobago, because he and he did in fairness he made a great save yeah. in the last five yeah. minutes of the game. And because he'd made this great save, the Prime Minister ordered them to stay on the plane because he wanted the fans to greet him when he came. Nah. Yeah. And he missed the game on Saturday.
1: Yeah, that, oh, missed.
0: Oh, he had to be in his
1: bed by yeah, the Prime Saturday.
3: Minister, yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry, George. It uh, says uh, everything uh, about this upcoming World Cup and the excitement levels that we're just reminiscing <laughs> about past yeah, well, I mean, yeah, a actually, World Cup in, it's, in shame, isn't it? It's, ach, it's, just, yeah, I know. Uh,
0: it's, it's not good. I mean... Although, I, I must admit, I don't think it should be there. I think it's, uh, it's the it's wrong country. It was, uh, in, It's the wrong climate. It's wrong in so many ways. But I do tend to think we all had the chance to say this at the time and try to stop it. It's a bit...
2: Hmm. I don't think we had enough money to stop it, though. No. So no, It's no. all that mattered, certainly, back then. I think yeah. it still matters now, but... I think the good thing is
1: a feast of football and it's on TV for everyone
0: everyone to see. To well, know. as a retiree, I'm not bothered about a 10am game. No. You guys might be working, but <laughs> the only thing is I'll have to get up and get my shopping done. Get my housework done. It'll be interesting to see who comes, comes to the fore. I mean,
1: is there going to be an African nation that we're going to see finally take it on and, you know...
2: There's a couple of decent yeah. options in terms if, of the I think if, if
3: any nation wins the World Cup that isn't Brazil, then they've done really, mm-hmm. really well. When Brazil's squad was announced... It's ridiculous. But it is a preposterous squad. There's generally... Ar- yeah. there's, there are... Every single player in the Brazil squad could pretty much play for any club in the world. Yeah. That, that is how good it is. Mm-hmm. So if any nation can Although, uh, beat Brazil... Ar- then,
2: Ar- Ar- well, Argentina beat Brazil... In Brazil, I think, to win the Copa America, didn't they? Or they? W- I think Argentina are going in this with about 30 games unbeaten or something stupid. Mm-hmm. I don't... I, I, so, Bear's got the wall chart, so he's probably got I'm a better to, idea. But uh, if it's
3: possible for an Argentina-Brazil final, I would bite your yeah. hand off for it. That, good. Good. that would just about rescue this World Cup for me. Is,
0: it, is that another thing? We're, we're talking, I mean, I've heard people talk about how good Brazil are, but because it's in November, I mean, normally... You've got the chance. You've got a sort of month or weeks or so if you're if you're so interested to sort of gen up on who's who's doing well and who might win. But I mean, if we go around this, starting with George, who's going to win it?
2: Brazil. Brazil. Bear.
0: Argentina.
1: I, just I said I just you know I just said that to be different. I don't know, do Tom. Be that, that's Alan, my Alan's thing. The, the only me. team I've heard me to is, go for is Brazil. Is yeah.
0: Brazil. Are, are doing really well, but I haven't. I've seen Alison playing golf for yeah. Liverpool. That's it. Whereas normally uh, in a World Cup, because there's a build-up where the focus is all on the World Cup, y- you've got an idea, but it's the
3: only it's so hard to tell with the, this one. The mm. only saving grace, I think, from the timing of this World Cup and the political machinations around it, and the fact that clearly, clearly, Qatar shouldn't be hosting a World Cup, is. The fact that I think it's maybe the World Cup that's most been on the even keel of any there's been because we're not at the the best players in the world haven't just completed a sixty-five game season yeah, in yeah. which they're shattered and they've gone to the very end of the most gruelling competitions in world football this is about as peak fitness as you will get the best players in the world other than those who have been unfortunate Aye. enough to pick up injuries in the lead That's up the which is that, there's exactly. a lot injured across the time of However, season, but a lot of fit guys are going i was going to say there's i would although it's awful for those who have missed out you would trade off a couple of just you know regular mid season injuries for the benefit of the rest of the tournament not being absolutely shattered because mm. you watch so many world cups and you think to yourself I think back to watching Messi in quite a few World Cups and you think, the guy's shattered. You know, you you read about how he's played 69 games because he's never rested, as was at the time, by Barcelona or or by his country. So that's the only aspect that I'm quite excited about is I think the best players in the world won't be shattered as they usually are when this tournament comes around.
0: And finally... Just to be parochial, have our good friends and neighbours England got a chance? It intrigues me that I, mean, I always get the thing where a manager like Raheem Sterling hasn't had a great season or a great start at Chelsea, but he's done very well for Gareth Bale. But when you take the team as a whole, they haven't had a good
2: mm. past twelve months. They've been struggling. I- and the their group's quite tough as well but it the, the, doesn't look like yeah, it, but it and,
0: and is. The, 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 I, I don't quite get the optimism coming out uh, down south not because I want them to fail which I do <laughs> but but as a as a team they haven't had the greatest few months since they did so well to get to the to the Euro finals. But, but you just think I, would, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be blowing any trumpet too loud no. because they've not being in great the greatest form.
1: I wouldn't bet against them, Tom. I wouldn't bet against them. They tend to, to you know rise up for the the big occasion. They've got a history of getting doing well in the competition. They're under pressure. I think the fan the, yeah. the expectations is another thing that it can be a weight on their shoulders. But they've got decent players defensively. I think they're lacking a wee bit. It'll be interesting to see, you know, what he goes with at the back, you know. But they do have, they do have strength up top. Harry Kane could score against, against
0: anyone. I'm a big Kane fan.
1: But whether, uh, you know, it's a long way from, from start to finish, Sam, there's a lot of games to be played. It could depend on, I'm looking at the chart here, trying to figure out who they could possibly get. I'm sure, after a few games and the group start to take a bit of shape, we'll get England's path to the final. We could have these in the last 16, in the last eight. and Yeah, well, we'll, all we'll the way. Need,
0: we need to work out that path so yeah. we can buy the other team's strips.
1: There are teams with better players, but I certainly wouldn't like them all getting to the quarters or the semi-finals, no.
3: Here's your spicy take for this, to, to round things off from me. I've got nothing else to say after this. England won't get out of their group. That's Whoa. my spicy Whoa. take. Mic drop. I think USA yeah. and Wales will qualify from that group.
2: I think Iran are pretty good as well. They've got two proper strikers. Iran.
3: Yeah. I think. I think George is absolutely bang on. I think uh, England's group is the only group where every team in is 20, uh, yeah. inside the top twenty in the world. They are so. all. They are all. <laughs> they are <laughs> all good sides, and that weight of expectation, maybe dare I say, a little bit of complacency, and thinking ahead of oh, who could we get in the last sixteen? Who could we get in the quarterfinals? Uh, they are the only team in that group that will have that mentality and. They've lost to, to sides like Hungary and, and all sorts. Thumbed by Hungary. I, I just, I, I could, I mean, I'm, I'm being a bit glib saying they won't get out of their group, for sure. I no, think, no, I you've think, said it. No, I, I, <laughs> but I do, I think, a, a, I, I think there's a chance England won't get out of their group. I mean, not certainty, but I think there's a chance. Well, I'm going with the, his first answer. You heard it here first, folks.
0: England can't qualify. <laughs>
3: If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it, or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of The Tele Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tannadise, or go to thetele.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door.